activated virus defenses. Prepare to download. Hello and welcome to the official podcast for the 27th Annual FIRST Conference, happening June 14th through 19th, 2015 in Berlin, Germany. I'm your host, Martin McKay. And I'm Christian Riley. To find out more information about the conference, please visit www.first.org. And now we join our interview in progress. So this time on the show, we're talking to Jake Coons about the upcoming presentation on Bring uh, Your Own Internet of Things. Thank you very much for joining us, Jake. Thanks for having me, guys. Always look forward to it. <laughs> so, I mean... Can you give a, a quick elevator pitch? What are you What are you talking about? There's been a lot of talk about Internet of Things, but what specifically are you going to be talking about in your upcoming presentation? Sure. So there definitely is a lot of uh, buzz right now about the Internet of Things. I'm not sure that everyone fully understands what that means or what devices are considered Internet of Things. But we're going to do a little bit of, uh, of what we define the Internet of Things and devices that you normally wouldn't expect to be connected being connected. From what we have seen, everyone in enterprise dealing with BYOD, bring your own devices, we're starting to see that now these Internet of Things devices are the, are the next phase that are uh, already in enterprises and moving uh, to come start becoming more involved in the enterprise network. So our, our sort of vision of the talk and what we're trying to get across is, again, quickly define what, what we think that means talk a little bit and address some of the, the, the buzz in the security industry right now about stunt hacking and uh, you know all this sort of junk hacking. What does it really mean? Look at a sample of the vulnerabilities out there and then and try to help responders understand what, what could this really mean for an enterprise network? I guess the, the feeling is that companies are ignoring Internet of Things on the basis that my company doesn't have any of these things, so why should I be interested? And I'm guessing that devices, smart devices that, that are attaching to the network that are using the wireless are slowly starting to creep into companies without them paying attention. Is that what you're also seeing? Yeah, most definitely. And I think anyone that believes it's not going to come in their network sort of fooling themselves. I mean, it's history sort of shown itself that consumer devices that are sexy and provide great functionality ultimately end up in a, in a corporate network in an enterprise. And, you know, we've seen breaches, um, Right. If you look at the target breach, it was a third-party vendor through an you know HVAC vendor, and you're going to continue to see uh, other departments at a at a, an organization like facilities or security wanting these these cameras in place or or the easier way to control irrigation of all their properties. You know all these sorts of things that will save money and make it easier are going to make their way if they're not already already in a corporate network as it is. And most of the time, it'll be the management, your your executives who want to bring in their new shiny toys, not just the the line workers. Oh, most definitely. I mean, right? We're going to have the Internet of Things coffee machine, and it's going to produce the best coffee that there is, and it's going to be demanded that it's in there, and it'll be in there, right? I mean, th th this is definitely what we're we're already seeing. Well, I guess we've already kind of lived through this several times. I remember back in the day where wireless was starting to become more prevalent and, and large companies were saying, this is not for us, we don't want wireless, it's insecure. They were right at the time. And then we've, we've gone through it again with, with bringing your own device, with, with bringing your own mobile phones and connecting them to the network. And now it's just history repeating itself again. It's surprising that we haven't 
learnt from the previous mistakes. We, we seem to be reliving it. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's a, a bit what we're trying to address as well. You know, what, what could the learnings be from previous bring your own device? But when you think about a lot of these Internet of Things devices, there are really three components to it, right? You're seeing, you're seeing some sort of potential on-premise device. You're seeing some sort of cloud uh, software as a service connection, and then you're seeing mobile capabilities, right? So you're, so the attack surface is, is there's three sort of different ways to go about it. And many of these uh, devices that are making their ways in enterprises start off as Kickstarter projects, right? You know, so security really isn't the most, you know, important thing when it comes to delivering these devices to begin with. They become a, a real nice entryway into your network too, since you've uh, which you've got a mobile device that's access to the network at the same time, and oh, wonderful things can happen. Most definitely, and I and I think that's the biggest concern. And you know, again, when you start thinking about sort of even foundational architecture and security type stuff, you know, I don't know about you guys, but we still run into organizations that aren't you know really segregated on the inside, and and you can you can argue as much as you we will about how that will help or not, but. When you start putting more and more devices on there, it, it really does become the Wild West back in your enterprise. So I'm guessing that um, these Internet of Things devices are not necessarily going to be coming into the enterprise through the usual channels. So there's going to be projects that maybe security or, or IT themselves are just completely not involved in. So, for example, you were talking about HVAC systems. So they're kind of creeping in the back door and bypassing all of the security and uh, maybe even regulatory policies that are in place for an organization. Do you see that becoming more of an issue or do you think security is going to have to inject itself into all of these processes? You know, I think security is already still struggling with, you know, shadow IT and, and what the cloud has brought to the table in terms of, you know, anyone with a credit card can turn up a device and you don't have to tell IT or security or anyone. And I think this just complicates the situation e even more just because, you know, again, you can get this device and it's going to be doing things that traditionally were not connected in that fashion, right? I mean, you know, again, I go back to security systems and, and surveillance cameras. You know, those just traditionally were something that IT and security didn't even have involvement in because it was its own sort of off-the-network wiring. And now we're saying whether it's wireless or, or part of the network, okay, just plug it in and everything's going to be great and save you money and provide you all these features. And so I, I think security is really going to have to figure out a way to get a seat at the table yet again, the same thing with BOIOD and everything else. So, yeah, 100%. Can the security team actually do anything about this directly, or does this need to be pushed back on the manufacturers? I mean, there's going to be so much of this stuff coming through to our networks that can you really do anything about it? So that's a, a great question, and I think something that um, you know we've been researching quite a bit when it comes down to you know product liability. Um, understanding if at the end of the day, is this really sort of <clears throat> vendors and software that needs to be secure? Otherwise, there's some sort of regulatory liability for producing insecure code. Um, you know, this has been debated over the years. And now that we're starting to see, you know, the potential for what you'll hear people call BIPD, bodily injury or property damage, when people can start getting hurt or you can start doing physical damage to things, it's a bit more eye-opening. And so, you know, a lot of these Internet of Things devices, you know, and, many, and by the way, many people uh, even label sort of, you know, you know um, interconnected cars and, and medical devices as Internet of Things as well. And so while not all of that may 
bring your your way into into sort of a, a corporate network, it's still starting to show that those non-traditional sort of devices that were not connected are now being connected, and it's and it's a big concern. Um, so I, I definitely think it's going to be a huge challenge for security teams. There are things that they can do, but you know if we really want to get to that level of security that we hope for, it, it all goes back to producing secure code and. As you guys both know, we continue to produce crap code year after year. So what can security teams really do to, to kind of detect these devices coming into their organization? Because it's not, it's not like these devices are plugging in on the network somewhere. So theoretically, they're connecting to the wireless or they're using um, specific protoc protocols to uh, wirelessly communicate between different sensors, for example. Are companies um, and security teams equipped to be able to detect these devices coming into their companies? So we believe that detecting is, is still sort of the one of the easier parts. It's the, you know, once you find it how to secure it, it's maybe the trickier part. But in general, again, because what, what we've seen with most of the devices having some sort of on-premise component connecting to the cloud, there's sort of two ways to discover them. One, through your sort of traditional asset discovery, you're going to find this potentially rogue device on the network if you're if you're doing that sort of a thing. And then again, watching outbound connectivity what's being sent out right and so so there, there are a couple ways to detect these devices so we, we don't necessarily think that's the well it depends if organizations are doing that sort of work let's be honest but in terms of can it be detected we believe the answer to be yes once you detect it then what that's the real tricky part because again some of these devices even devices that are making their ways into traditional big big box retailing stores in the U.S., um, you know, for example, we're starting to see, you know, over in the U.S., all these, uh, all these sorts of home, smart home automation things. And, and one of the ones even I've been messing around with is irrigation systems. And so I've, I've seen these smart irrigation systems that have those three components of being connected uh, very early on in terms of the product lifestyle, making their ways into big stores where you can just go in and, and, and buy them. And, and, and you know the security isn't there yet. So in terms of discovery, I, I think it can be discovered in terms of other than turning it off and just upsetting everyone in the organization, that, that continues to be sort of the, the trickier part. So what are some of the difficulties that security teams are going to have in, in tracking the vulnerabilities because quite a lot of the the vulnerability reporting i mean it's, it's a large discussion at the moment about you know, responsible disclosure coordinated disclosure as it always is but what's the disclosure like for for internet of things devices so you know again there's 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 lots of concerns with even if a vulnerability is discovered are these internet of things devices even able to be you know patched and and, and updated right so you have that what, what we've been spending a lot of time researching on, and we're going to spend some time sharing about this in the, in the talk, is third-party code. And so everyone, again, just sort of, they think about Freak and Poodle and Heartbleed, and, and that's typically it, maybe the, maybe the bash hole bug. But at the end of the day, there is so much op, you know, open source libraries, third-party code being used in these devices that um, you know, makes it even trickier. So you know, even if an Internet of Things provider is doing a great job and they have an SDL in place and they're, they're doing all the right things, they're using so much third-party code and not really sort of vetting that code before it gets integrated into the device or then staying on top of it to determine if they need to make a, a, you know, an update based on you know, other, other vulnerable libraries. So 
Now, again, and and so many of these device, these sort of Internet of Things devices, we're seeing kicked off as Kickstarter projects or Indiegogo projects, and really, it's it's such a focus on gotta gotta deliver features functionality, and nowhere near on the security side is. You know the the initial sort of vetting of these of these devices just shows that security just isn't a, isn't a focus at all. I, I don't see as Kickstarter projects as being nearly as big of a threat as the consumer projects that are or products that are out there. I mean, I I can't see that there are enough people even being active in wireless enabled Kickstarter projects to make a difference compared to what is coming in in the form of tablets and the form of watches and the form of maybe even pacemakers. <laughs> Can no, you it, defend it's, that? No, it's a, it's a it's a, it's definitely a fair point. I I think it's just, you know, what what you look at and what you see and again, you know, We've been doing some research into sort of those um, irrigation systems, right? Just uh, you know, again, they're gonna they're coming into the uh, the homes to start, and then they work their way into consumer grade. And many of those were, you know, they start off getting their funding that way, and then they then they they work themselves out to be more consumer wise. But I mean, it's an absolute fair point, and and one that you know we don't have numbers or anything to sort of back up either way. And and there are a lot of um, you know. Big vendors just all of a sudden wiring things. So, um, you know, I, I guess remain to be seen as we move forward. I guess a worry that we need to, to think about is, is the longevity of these products. So obviously, these are single-use systems, you know, small um, microcomputers that serve a simple purpose. So theoretically, companies are going to be implementing these in buildings, whether or not that's you know, lighting controls or you know, irrigation controls, as you mentioned, and planning to leave them there for, for the foreseeable future. They're not planning on, on migrating those out in three three or five years' time. But as technology changes, the the way they're connecting to the network is going to become a security issue or could become a security issue. If they're using legacy protocols in the event that newer versions of, of SSL are released and the old we want to depreciate the old versions, we can't because of the old Internet of Things devices that have been maybe embedded for five years just don't support the newer protocols. And they're not very friendly when it comes to, to updating new versions of firmware. So I guess in the long term, we could be implanting software and hardware in our environments that are going to limit the possibilities for securing our infrastructure in the future. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're you're spot on. I mean, when you and again, this probably goes back to, to, to Martin's point about whether we're seeing sort of self-funded projects or more sort of corporate-funded projects. Um, you know, what's going to be able to be supported in the long term? I, I think there's probably a lot more possibility that you know projects that start off that they sort of uh, get installed and then sort of support for it wanes or it just goes away, right? And if you've got it in your network. That hey, you're not going to rip it out. It, it work, you know. Things work until they don't work, right? You're not really paying attention to it. And if your facilities department uh, or the security department, who's, you know, the physical security department puts these things in, are they really uh, on top of making sure it's, it's everything secure and updated, or are they just making sure that it works and they accomplish their job on a daily basis? And and again, that sort of goes back to the the nature of shadow IT and. And not having someone really on top of it and, and monitoring and vetting it to see if it is enterprise worthy. Um, and, I, and I think we're going to see more and more of that. Well, thank you very much for taking the, the time to have a chat with us, Jake. I really appreciate the conversation. And I'm sure we can continue the conversation on site in Berlin as there's a, a number of things I'd like to pick your brains about. 
Yeah, thanks for having us. First is uh, the conference I look to each year and looking forward to lots of great feedback discussion uh, at the talk. So looking forward to ever seeing everyone in Berlin. You've been listening to the official podcast for the 27th annual first conference, June 14th through 19th in Berlin, Germany. To find out more, check out www.first.org. We both hope to see you in Berlin. Thanks for listening.